Hi, everyone. This is Funny Feelings Podcast, and today I am in, literally in bed with Lena Dunham, (laughs) (laughs) with Dr. Maria Guyman and Ingrid. Yep, all the things that we love, and this is a place that, it's not like it's your first time in my bed. It's just your first time in my bed recording a podcast. Exactly. Liza's rubbing my legs, listeners. I'm so lucky. I can't believe this. I love when Liza rubs my legs. It's the best thing ever. It's like (laughs) shocking what it feels like. Your whole nervous system just like drops in and you're just like, oh, like this is the person I was meant to be in the body I was meant to have. That's how I feel when Liza rubs my legs. And she's so subtle. Like some like, like people who touch you are all like showy with their touch. Like they're like, look at all the things I can do with my hands. And you're like, At first, Liza, she makes it look like anyone could do it, like a good actor. And then you look and you're like, no one else could do this. She's like hitting some pressure points that I don't know about. This is a personal podcast for me. Yeah. Because you're the one who inspired us to do this podcast. And it was basically your idea. I mean, it's only because I just want every woman in the world to have access to you guys. Because the first time I met you, when I was having a really bad endo flare up, you both sat at my bedside at a different bed and worked with me. And I just thought, I felt so sad that every woman in the world who's having these kinds of pains and problems didn't have access to the two of you. So like a podcast is a pretty good democratic way for that to happen. The first time that we actually met was when you were in the hospital. Yeah. And that was a really touching experience for me because I know you were in so much pain in such a vulnerable place. Like it was like the first time meeting in such a vulnerable place for you to like welcome me in and to allow me to be with you and to try and help you with my healing techniques was such an honor. Oh, it was. And since then, this doesn't sound like a brag, but it is. You visited me in three different hospitalizations and you've been such a touchstone. I feel like my whole life and Maria too, like my whole life has gotten better and clearer. And like, it doesn't mean that my health is perfect, but my healing has focused and I have new tools for healing because of meeting the two of you. And what I love about it is it's not like some, I mean, there are funny feelings, but it's not hippy dippy. It's not like elitist. It's just like techniques that every woman can use to not just heal their bodies, but also heal their souls. And so, like, I'm just obsessed with the two of you, and being on your podcast is a real honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting us sit in bed with you also. (laughs) (laughs) And you brought us coffee. Oh, my God, I know. We're drinking coffee in bed with my dog, which is literally, you can just hear it. She just moaned. My dog is, like, so clingy and also loves Liza and relaxes every time Liza comes around. You just got a cool new tattoo, behind your neck. Thank you so much. I've always wanted a tattoo on my neck, but I didn't know what it would be. And now I'm officially a neck tattoo person because I have a tattoo that is a lasso rope and it spells out the word sick. What is that about? Well, I like that it seems like it's like cool surfer. It's like that sick dude or whatever. But what it actually is about is that my whole life I've always been sick. It's always depended what it was, but I've always been sick or a sickly person or my friends have always gone, you get sick a lot or people have gone, We need to work on your immune system. You get sick a lot. Or more recently, she might not be able to come. She's sick. Or I'm sorry, you're sick. And it just became such a theme in my life because of the experience of living with chronic illness and chronic pain that I just wanted to find a way to like 
retake it back. Like I was like, what if I turn it into a thing that I'm really excited about and happy about and like a thing that makes me laugh and a thing that could be supportive to other sick women because the cool thing about the internet, there's a lot about the internet that I hate, but a cool thing about the internet is that I've met so many other chronically ill women, all of whom are like incredibly strong and cool and brave and I get to be friends with them and support them and they support me and we give each other information and talk about treatments and talk about what we've done. And so for me to have this tattoo it's for me to have this tattoo is a way to take back a word that I feel like has like caused me a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. And that feels really good. Funny feelings. When did you guys meet for the first time? Because I feel like it was before before you met. Well, the first time we met was because I was seeing Um, And I know Lena's best friend, Scotty, who's a good friend of mine. And she always kept saying that I needed to help Lena and she wanted us to meet. So she bought you a gift with me for a healing session. And then because I'm me, I rescheduled like six times because it's really like between being chronically ill, overly work obsessed and underly focused on taking care of my own body. And you were traveling back and forth to upstate Woodstock, Woodstock, which I thought was like really cool. (laughs) And then I would like um, send you pictures. I know. And I was like, this person's amazing. And Maria. So Maria, you guys may know about her tea line, Masha teas. The most fun I've ever had was at her tea launch party because I felt cool. It was like hip downtown women. You met my son, Julian. I met your son, Julian, who I have a crush on. Not a big deal. It's a platonic crush, and because um, he's nine, he's but, almost ten, he's ten soon. What if I was like that makes it okay? But um, he. Uh, but anyway, also when I heard the name Liza Ruckel, I was like, I don't know why. I, I thought like when you hear like massage therapist, then you hear Liza Ruckel. I thought you were like going to be like a seventy-two-year-old, like with like long gray braids, and then I you walked in, and I was like. Oh, she's like, you were like wearing this like cute little Mexican peasant dress. But then I got, we had an appointment. And I was like, hey, I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm in the hospital. And literally you were like, do you want me to come to the hospital? And I remember thinking like, I should say no. She can't really mean it. Like nobody wants to come watch like a girl who's like in endometriosis agony at the hospital. But you did mean it and you fucking showed up. And it was so amazing because you walked in And it was so, you calmed me down and it was the first endo attack I'd had in a while and my dad was there. After that day, I just loved you. And then you would always come over and work on me when I was staying with my parents and I was recovering. Funny feelings. I have a surprise for you today for your health. What do you have for me today? Okay, so (laughs) I have a box right there, which is a vaginal steamer. And today on our podcast... We're going to do a vaginal steam today. Okay, I actually can't steam. believe how lucky I am because I've had not one, not two, but three vaginal ultrasounds this week. And, you know, as nice as those doctors are, that's just like a plastic rod with a condom on it jammed up your vagina without like three times. It's like too many times. And I'm also just feeling like between that and some unfortunate fingering incidents, I really need to clear the energy out of my vagina and also on a practical level, like that sounds like it feels really good. 
Basically, if you don't know what a vaginal steam is, it feels so good. What we have is a pot full of herbs boiling on the stove, mm. and we a put soup. it, yes, a soup for your vagina. We put it in the box, which is made out of red cedar wood. For everyone listening, it's a box that we're going to put a pot full of herbs that Maria is going to explain why we pick these herbs, especially for Lena with the chronic pain and the endometriosis. So vaginal steaming is for endometriosis, but it's also for like warming up the clitoris, healing the, you know, the vaginal walls. I personally use it. Sometimes I get hip pain and by steaming and getting some steam and warmth into my body, the hip pain clears up. I think for trauma, it's wonderful. Digestive issues, obviously for fertility and other issues. That's Ingrid. Don't worry, you can... All right, I'm going to go get the herbs and the pot um, and I'll bring it in in a minute. Wow. Okay, I feel really cared for. I'm really excited. So this just goes in here. Yep. Yeah. So right now Maria is putting the pot full of herbs into the cedar box for Lena's vagina. Oh my God, I feel so lucky. Okay, so now quickly, quickly, don't open it yet. So Lena, come down. Are you wearing underwear? I'm wearing underwear, but I'll take them off. Okay, I'm so excited. Okay, this is amazing. Okay, I'm taking my underwear off. This is also great because I'm, by the way. Do you smell how good those herbs smell? So what you want to feel when you do the steam is, first of all, tell us if it's too hot. Well, on the vagina. Second of all, eventually you'll kind of taste the herbs in your mouth. I'm so, oh my God. That's There's amazing. roses in there, so. You'll taste, taste them okay. in your mouth because it's they're going. Hot. Sit down on okay. it. Okay, so do I just kind of sit on it like it's a toilet? Yeah, sit on it so like your vag is open. Okay. Kind of like a bidet. Oh my God. Wait, isn't that the best feeling? Oh my God, you guys. <laughs> this is like an amazing feeling. So I'm wrapping a blanket around Lena to keep the steam in. You guys, I'm having like a very profound experience right now. And she has socks on, because you need socks on too. Oh yeah, socks to keep the warmth in your feet. When your feet are warm, your vagina is warm. So we have socks on and... Wow. Okay, this is like really intense in a good way. Like this is like... This is like extremely like kind of full body. By the way, if it feels too hot, is it okay to close your legs a little? Yeah, yeah. If it feels too hot, just let us know. It's just got a little hot for a second. Just open to let some... Oh, Don't burn yourself. Okay, I was just like trying to be um, cool in a sport. You guys can see my vagina (laughs) right now, but I'm okay with it. Wow. You don't want to burn anything. You don't want to burn your vagina. Okay, that's good to know. You guys are hearing me have like a lot of different feelings because it's like there's the feelings of bliss. Then there's the feeling of heat in my... I had shingles on my pubic bone a while ago, and so it's like I can feel it right in the place where I had shingles because that's probably my nerves. Yeah. Oh my god, you guys, this is so. It's it's incredible. Right? Yeah, no, it's like really incredible. It's like this is so nuts, but like something's like exiting my body. Like it's like a crazy thing of like energy moving in and out of your body. Wow. It's the trauma is leaving your body. So those three ultrasounds plus those negative incidents of the fingers. Yeah, they weren't, they were consensual, but I didn't love them. Yeah. Wow, you guys, this is like really like, I was expecting to like kind of like giggle and I wasn't expecting to have this like kind of like really powerful 
physical experience. Have you both steamed your vaginas? Yeah. So I have not, and I keep being like, I'm totally going to. It's great for scar tissue, which is something from all your surgeries, all those surgeries. Even though you don't have a uterus, it doesn't matter. Like there's so many other health properties that you are healing from steaming. Well, it's also really interesting. This you have an amazing. energetic uterus, which is also getting I love that you talk about my energetic uterus. Too. It like gets me really right where I live. But it's also like, I'm just opening the blanket a little bit because it feels really amazing, but I just needed a little more air around my vagina. But yeah, it's also really interesting to have an experience of a lot of sensation, like positive sensation in that part of your body that's not sexual. Mm -hmm. Like it's very healing feeling. We all are so conditioned to like be tough and keep moving and say things are okay when they're not and be the way we think we're supposed to be for other people that like we're really conditioned to do that. And so we don't say stop and go, oh my God, everything that's happened to me is too much. And then we store it. I mean, for me, like, I know people are like, I've got a bad back. I've got a bad neck. And for me, it's like, I've got a bad vagina. Like, and there was like, I think it's really important to say like my health stuff and all my issues with my uterus, like a lot of people need to go like, it's completely physical. It's not emotional at all. And like, I don't feel the need to say that because if I acknowledge that my endometriosis and my issues were worsened by trauma, that doesn't make them not real. Anyway, a lot's, I'm sorry, I'm feeling a lot with this vagina steam. Yeah. I mean, also, let's remember that when you have physical trauma, it's going into the nervous system. So when I work with people who are in physical pain, I do manual therapy, I do energy work, I do Arvigo, my abdominal massage, but I also do EMDR therapy to help get pain out of the body. So we can't change what's happened to us in the past, but we can change how our body and our nervous system and our mind moves forward with it in the future by doing these things that are really healing for us and having a supportive group of women to hold us up when we need to. Wow. Can you say say the herbs? Yeah, I was just going to say the herbs are also really powerful and you can kind of adjust the kinds of herbs that you're using based on what you're trying to target. So I put calendula in there, which is this really beautiful yellow flower that's often used for wound healing. Wow. Um, And then there is yarrow, which is kind of astringent. So it sort of like tightens up the tissue, especially after having a bunch of ultrasounds, or this is why it's also a lot of times used after birth, just to kind of make the tissue a little bit like tougher, for lack of a better word. There are roses in there. What else did I put in there? Oh, and witch hazel and hops. So hops, like beer hops. Um, I love using hops because they're a nervine. So they kind of work to calm down your nervous system and they're super estrogenic. Wow. And so those are in there. And then the witch hazel, kind of like the yarrow, is just tonifying. So it like supports the integrity of the tissue. Well, here's a question. If I, by the way, this like vagina steam is calming the dog down too. Everybody just like loves the vibes. If I'm doing this process, I'm right now, as you guys know, just embarking on the process of harvesting eggs to freeze embryos, which is something that I was told for a long time I couldn't do. And I really think my work with Liza healed my left ovary, which like had no really right to be healed and, and really regenerated and made it possible for me to even begin this process. But like, you know, I'm really not looking, I've been through a lot medically and I'm still super scared about the hormone shots, 
the suppositories, the trigger shot. Like, I, I think it's going to be really hard on my body. Is doing this every day, like, something that could be helpful to this, like, insane process of putting my body through this, like, kind of, like, f- violent ovulation? I mean, I wouldn't do it every day, but you could do it. I'm getting it. too into vagina steaming. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it, like, when you feel needed, like you could do it twice a week. Sometimes with certain conditions, you do it 10 times a month. Like it's so for what you're going through, I would definitely do it. We can go over a pattern of like when to do it in combination with the RVGO, my abdominal massage therapy to help. When you say that we, that my work helped to heal that ovary, what happened is we just got a lot of blood flowing and oxygen back into the ovary that was at a lower function and we kind of woke her back up again by sending her so much blood and oxygen and love and prayers and energy work and we did a few spiritual healings to help bring your your baby in yeah and now this is happening which you really like it's funny because you said to me like you're going to get a child in a way that you don't expect and I was like okay that could mean like that could mean like you know an adoption that's close to me. That could mean meeting a, a foster baby. That could, but it never occurred to me that that could possibly mean the possibility of actually getting some an egg out of my own body. It's really weird, and it's bringing a lot of hope. Like even just in the last three days since we started planning it, like you know my family's been through so much with me medically, and I can feel this like bringing a lot of hope to everybody because it's like creating life out of pain instead of just like, you know, yeah, just the brutality of like over and over and over. Well, you said to us that no one told you that all the doctors said, forget about that ovary. They wanted to take it out. They said it was useless, but like, it's not useless. And to, to see even in the midst of, it's really important to remember that like in the midst of so much pain and so many surgeries that there's always health in the body. I also think it's kind of, that's amazing. It's also kind of important to say like, okay, so when I was at my sickest, I had lost a lot of weight, not trying. I just like, I would eat like every three days and it wasn't like I ate healthily. Like every three days I'd eat like three croissants and then like go back to bed. Like it was disgusting. I barely drank water. I was really not taking care of my body and I lost all this weight and obviously got a million compliments. And then I started to get healthy again and like find my own patterns and have an appetite and And I gained, you know, 35 pounds. And it's really interesting to me that there's no judgment of anyone's weight, but it's interesting to me that, like, we do make so many assessments from the outside. And, like, since gaining that weight and since, like, having an appetite again, my ovaries actually started to do its job again. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean people should be any specific weight. That's not me saying gain weight, lose weight. It's just me saying, like, if you lean into your appetite and life and then, like, what you look like and what your insides look like are not actually that connected. I mean, Maria, you can comment about the ovary and the weight gain of like the reservoir of nutrients helping to support the ovary and fertility of the ovary. Yeah. I mean, you need fat and you need vitamins and minerals and like all of the things that food provides in order to nurture even the possibility of a baby. Yeah. So it makes sense. Well, it just feels really... It's also a really interesting thing because like going into all these appointments, firstly, my dad is my person who's going to all these appointments with me and I keep introducing as my father to everyone because I think that people think like if you go to the fertility specialist and you're like a 33-year-old woman with a 69-year-old man, people are just going to think you're like some lady with like an old rich husband who's like trying to make an embryo. And so like 
I just be, and also because like people keep going like Mr. and Mrs. Dunham and I'm like this has got to stop. <laughs> so all I do is walk around That's the like, egg office being like my father and like people are like a little quizzical about it because I think most people don't bring their dad to their fertility appointments but this is just where we find ourselves. Well your dad is one of your greatest supporters. What is your pops like? Oh my god he's like Liza knows he's like I mean I'm obsessed with both my parents. Look I just got this. Oh, Tip and Lori tattooed on your fingers. I know. My parents were like, you're insane. But I got the... My parents, it's like on the spot of a mustache tattoo. 100%, except it's my dad's name. And my parents have, are amazing, and they've been amazing my whole life, because I've always been like... I think I've always been a kid who was like really loving, but also challenging. I just had a lot going on, and they've really risen to the occasion. And for my younger sibling as well... Um, who's, you know, a, amazing, brilliant genius and is also, like, a trans person, which comes with specific, like, th- stuff that comes up for a parent. So my parents know, like, everything about hormones now because of the two of us. But, Aww. but so my dad is, like, so supportive, so loving, really focused on my health, has really taken the time to educate himself about endometriosis, has, is, like a, is, like, a learner. So he wants to read everything and know everything and, like, it's cute to hear him like at a dinner party and then my like describing endo and then my mother is much more like um she's like logistically powerful like my mom's the one who will like she makes schedules like I once said to my mom I was like when I was having a hard time I was like could we just talk more about feelings and less about like things and when we're gonna do everything and what we need and like what we're gonna order on Amazon and she was like okay honey and then literally three minutes later she walks back into the room she's like you know what that was bullshit what you just said because (laughs) If I didn't do all this, nothing would get done. And I was like, you're 100% right. And she was like, yeah, and I did it. And I was like, mom, you're right. And she was like, bah, bah. and I was like, I'm saying, and she was like, oh, you're saying I'm right. Okay, got it. But <laughs> was she was like, right. My mom's always the one who like, if I was about to leave the house and looked funny, she'd be like, let's just put a little dry shampoo on your roots. Like she just has like the fix. She loves natural medicine. She, her biggest embarrassment is that when I had really serious mono and my throat was closing up in college, she like took me for a vitamin drip. And then finally my aunt, who's an emergency room doctor, was like, she needs steroids. And then like 30 minutes later, I was fine. Because <laughs> oh my, my mom was like, I don't want all this crap in her body. We're going to the natural medicine doctor. <laughs> so has your approach to natural medicine changed? So growing up, we always saw a chiropractor. We always saw a naturopath, did craniosacral work, took herbs, took tinctures. Like my parents really cared about that. And here's the thing about natural medicine that I feel. I feel like it works better, but it takes longer. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Western medica- medicine is that it works often works immediately and you don't realize for months that it actually has like masked things and you aren't as healthy as you think you are or you're dealing with a whole other cascade of symptoms. And so the thing I've really had to teach myself is patience with certain symptoms. Like sometimes I have arthritis in my back and it hurts and I would like it to feel better immediately because I'm going out to an event and I want to feel good and chatty. But that doesn't mean I should take a bunch of steroids. Like if I can't walk and I'm in horrible agony, that's a moment. It's like assessing. It's like not looking at yourself as a machine whose all parts need to be working all the time. And for me, it's a balance all the time. Like I look and I'm like, like right now I have an insane twitch in my left eye and Liza knows like, it's been just like jerking shut violently for like two weeks. And it's not that fun, but then they suggested I put Botox in my eyelid and all of them. And I was like, you know what, actually, like, maybe I'm just going to ride this one out. Like, mm-hmm. but when I was in the hospital and in too much agony to go home 
and they said, we're going to give you IV steroids, but it's going to turn your cheeks bright red. Like I made the calculation that like, yes, that will allow me to get home. And so you could get off now because it's 20 minutes. I loved everything about this vaginal steam. I'm just going to take one more moment to just appreciate what steam feels like going out my vagina. It's also kind of amazing because you start to sweat out your vagina, which is kind of a new, like we've all had a sweaty vagina on a summer day on the subway before, but this is a new level. I mean, I did one yesterday because I was like, I need to prepare for this. I'm going to do one. And I have my own steamer at home. So I do them regularly. But yesterday when I was doing it, I really was like, this is a different type of sweat. It's like a heat. I also have to say it's making me appreciate, like just for the listeners at home, my hand's on my vagina right now. And it's making me sort of appreciate. I'm like, this thing's pretty adorable. I think being sick for so long, I literally thought of my vagina as like a ruined city. Like it was just like, no one wants to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. Let's just pretend it's not there. And also we all have such little contact. Like I remember once in like, when I was like 25, I was like, oh my God, I think I have chlamydia. Like I just do. I can feel it. Something feels wrong. I'd had like unprotected sex once. And I was like, that's enough. Cause it is. Everyone use condoms. I'm going to the gynecologist. <laughs> and I got to the gynecologist and she looked and she was like, honestly, I've seen like five women this week because it's just really hot out and it's overwhelming and like nobody knows what it feels like to just have a hot vagina. And it's like, we're all so out of touch with our bodies that like the temperature goes up to 95 degrees and we think we have chlamydia. Like, <laughs> like I think about that all the time because I'm like, your vagina is not supposed to look and feel one way all the time. It's like in some seasons, it's one way in others, it's another. change topics I want to ask you guys about um love and dating because you're our dating doula because yeah. I'm obsessed with love and dating you like I love like- you love love and dating you're always looking for my husband you're always even just looking for my boyfriend or my fun person to have sex with and you've also like definitely told me when you were like this is not the one and you've got to stop and you've literally always turned out to be right like there was one guy who you just looked at one text and you were like no and then like three nights at his house later you were like still no lena i showed liza a picture of this guy dancing and she was like i really don't like him you have to stop talking to him do you remember him yeah. <laughs> still his dancing still disgusting she was like he's such a bad dancer and i was like well i'm not a good dancer either you are a good dancer well, also it's like you're probably a better dancer than that terrible dancer <laughs> And also, even a bad dancer deserves a good dancer. Exactly. It wasn't just that he was a bad dancer. It was something about his dancing that was just like, absolutely not Maria. (laughs) Funny feeling. So, I have only tried this twice. Sexting. Okay. To my husband. The first time I did it. I'm so excited to hear this story. A doorman wrote me back. I like wrote him a sexy text, like something maybe about his penis. And a doorman wrote me back saying, your husband lost his phone. And no, I have it here at this address. No. The second time I did it, Matthias wrote me and was like, stop texting me. My coworker is using my phone for timing. And he sees these text messages. No. So you like cannot sex without the whole world seeing. Those are my two failed attempts. I've never done it again. That is so cool. Yeah, I have to say that I, I love to sext. I'll do it with almost anyone. You will. And send yeah, pictures. I mean, I do you send do pictures like... of yourself? Mm, it depends. The pictures of myself are really saved 
I'll send like a picture of my own face or something, but like a picture of my own truly nude body. Here's what I definitely am like really careful about is like a picture that's like my vagina. Like that I will not send out readily. My boobs, basically it's like first level face, second level boobs, way Even behind. post-vaginal steam, would Post- you send a picture of your vagina? Much more likely because I'm feeling so proud of it. But like, but like in general, I mean, Maria, tell me, but like in general, I don't think a vagina pic always, I don't want to get a penis picture. That doesn't so. sound sexy to me. I'm not really interested in, that. yeah. I feel like vaginas and penises don't really photograph well necessarily it just seems like an unnecessary thing to say well you also need to like have a relationship with the person to be interested in that part of their body this feels so amazing Liza thank you so like I don't know to me it's a pass but I will do a lot of I will do a lot of other things and I will tell someone like I'll actually be like much bolder I mean this makes sense I'll be like much bolder in text than I would be in person about like asserting my own desires and needs which can be really fun yeah and it can be fun to set up what interests you to then spend time with people what I don't like is people specifically guys who like want to sext but aren't actually sort of showing like I'm I want it to be a prelude to really showing up and like doing it and I think a lot of people hide behind it as like a means to seem like they're down when they're actually you know, commitment phobic or anxious or I don't know or just like players who are doing with 87 people yeah are you an enthusiastic sexter Maria so I haven't been well Liza was like I'm gonna ask you guys about sexting so then I was like oh maybe I should sext somebody so I did wow yeah because I also was trying to prepare it but it didn't really she prepared by sex (laughs) so cool it's so cool but it didn't really like work because I feel like when I had I haven't had, like, a boyfriend in a really long time. And when I did, I would always sext with them. Because, yeah, then afterwards you can, like, have sex with them. But now yeah, it's, but like... Yeah, but now it's a little more abstract. Right. I mean, I sexted somebody that I actually really love who doesn't live here. But he's, like... I've tried to sext him before, and he clearly is not into sexting. Is and he just, into like, having sex? Yeah. Okay, but good. also, like, into being really noncommittal and, like, not living near me at all. Yeah, so it's not like you can lock him down. Right, and I don't think that I want to either. Yeah, but he's I did. Not the personal lockdown. Yeah, but yeah. So I was like, so I like sent a sex, and then he was kind of like, "Oh, cool." I mean, I don't know. He didn't really like. He didn't engage give you with what it. you would have like dreamed of from your sex. Exactly, and the next day I was like, we were like texting a little bit, and I was like, "Dude, I was just like trying to sext with you," and. He was like, oh, I don't really like sexting. And I was like, I, I know. But. Oh, wow. And when you said, when he said, I don't really, was he like, but I appreciated what you said? Or not really? Um, I mean, I felt appreciated. Okay, good. So he shows his appreciation. It's not like you feel like you're not sure if he likes you. Yeah. You know he likes you because you love him. That's really interesting. I sexted, this is a weird one. I like sexted with a guy. Someone needs to be down for what I bring. Like, I kind of sexted with a guy, and then I was in the hospital. And so then I sent him, like, a picture of me in my underwear in my hospital bed and was, like, and was like hospital glam or something. And said, and it was, like, me in my underwear looking kind of glamorous, but I had an IV in. And I kind of thought it was funny. And then after that, he really dropped off. And I was like, okay, that's, like, maybe too real for someone. And also, people have trouble imagining... Something I'd really like to change. People have trouble imagining sick people as sexual because to them it's so antithetical. That, like it's like I'm sick, I don't want to have sex, and it's like sometimes that's true, but sometimes having sex is actually like a really healing thing to do. And I mean, when you have a migraine, 
you should have sex because it brings the energy out from your head into your vagina and, it and your changes hips. Things. It changes the energy. That's and so interesting. It help the, or to have an orgasm. Having yes. an orgasm is super healing. Having an orgasm is healing for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so interesting. And so, by the way, you guys, I'm picking little nits off of Ingrid's back, and it's, like, so relaxed. She's sleeping while I, like, pick tiny nits off her back, and it's, like, well, like, Liza touches my feet, post-vaginal steam, and it's, like, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. So one more question before we wrap up. Has it, now that you're in recovery, what has this mean for you with dating? How has it changed dating? You mean like in recovery, like don't use drugs? So that's a great question. I was always like kind of an isolator. So when I did take pills, et cetera, it wasn't like I was like, I'm going to take pills and go out and rage. It was like, I'm going to take pills and like hide in my home and like pretend that I've never met anyone and that nobody loves me. And which is like, a horrible destructive thing oh Ingrid what's wrong um which is like a horrible destructive thing and I also think actually being in recovery has made me want to like be out in the world more mm. which is good for meeting people I also don't being in recovery yeah and being in recovery also has made me really rethink a lot about the way that I consume, the way that I consume food, the way that I consume clothes, the way that I consume media, the way that I consume sex. And I think I used to look at people as like opportunities, like men as opportunities more. Like I wasn't really engaged with like their humanity. And I was sort of like, I want to date someone. Who will I find? Look And like rather than just being open to what the world brought. And since I've started actually thinking about that. I have much like richer male relationships, most of which are platonic, almost all of which are platonic, um, and with people I work with, et cetera. And I'm just more open to like what life has to offer. I feel really, I don't know, I love, not everyone needs to be sober, um, but it turned out to be such a good thing for, I love it. Like it's exactly what I needed and wanted in my life like it's a way to engage the world that's just you know and I sometimes have to take pain medication like that's something I've had to navigate in sobriety and will continue to have to navigate but like the way that I engage the world like even it's funny like I've had a lot of dogs but I've never had a dog like while I was like in sobriety and so I think about my relationship with Ingrid differently I think about my relationship with my family differently I think about my relationship with my body differently there's a lot more acceptance and so like not just like you being sober, but like using the tenets of the 12 steps as a way to navigate my life is just like a cool organizing principle that I think can only make dating better. And also when you're on pills, you can't feel anything. Yeah. So sex is about feeling things. It's not just about like lying there in like a ball of your own saliva. I mean, it sounds like lately, it seems like you're having like closer relationships since you've been sober. I'm like really happy, which is something that I don't think I could say for a long time. And you've been such a big part of that. And you too, Maria, like I have these women in my life who hold me up and don't judge me like infertility and dealing with the stuff around that has been like probably the most painful thing of my life. Of course. And I know you understand. And like, I never want to like be like the stereotype of woman who's like, I just want a baby, but it's like everyone's having kids around us and everyone, everything's happening. And I'm exactly the age where that's all activating and, I thought my life was going to look different. And so to know that like I'm infertile, not married, living by myself and the happiest I've ever been, like what a gift to be starting from that place. And I know that that wouldn't have happened for me 
You're technically not infertile because you have healthy eggs. Yes, queen. Yeah, so say. let's remind us. I can't wait to drop my healthy eggs, guys. I, yesterday, ovulation was explained to me like with like a diagram, that, and I like understood it in a way I hadn't before. And I literally was like, ow! Ovulation's so intense. Ovulation is intense, and also... It's like violent. It is, but the vaginal steam will help that and will help with the ovarian cyst as well. I'm so excited. I love my vaginal steam box. I want to look at it all day. is Funny Feelings Podcast. Today we spoke with Lena Dunham about vaginal steaming, sexting, fertility, health, and women showing up for each other. I'm Maria Guyman. And I'm Liza Ruckel. And we want to say a big thanks to Spirit Shop for the flower pot steamer that we used in today's episode. Please visit us at funnyfeelingspodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at funnyfeelingspodcast. We are here for you to help you with all of the funny feelings that you're experiencing. So just reach out to us.